Welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 51. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. In this session, we're going to look at John chapter 6. We'll begin with a study of Jesus' fourth sign uh, in out of the seven signs that John shows us that Jesus is in fact divine. And ultimately, we will get into the John's discussion or the bread of life discourse, further teachings on the Eucharist that Jesus promises here in John chapter 6, and uh, what is so central to our faith as Catholics. So unless you're driving, turn to John chapter 6, and we'll get into the uh, multiplication of the loaves. We've studied this before in Matthew, so I probably won't go into as much detail as we did there. But John informs us in verse 4 that in this event, the Jewish feast of Passover was near. Uh, why does John throw that in there? Because part of the, the idea of Passover is the feast of the unleavened bread. Okay, so bread is a theme of, of the Jews for Passover. And I developed this concept much more fully in session 31, which is about uh, Matthew chapter 26, and uh, as an example of how the Synoptic Gospels deal with the issue of, of Eucharist. But it's no coincidence that John throws in there this uh, the feast of Passover was near. So you get the connection, the bread, uh, which was the matzah, if you will, which is an essential part of the Passover feast, as well as uh, you know the feasts that Jesus is offering here and promising for the future. Okay. So, but the basic story is like what we uh, what we saw in uh, Matthew's account. And uh, there's a lot of people in there hungry. And one of the apostles in John's gospel, he tells us it's Philip, uh, says 200 days wages would not be enough for each of us to feed them even a little bit. And uh, so one of his disciples, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. So I want you in verse nine to underline five barley loaves, and then I want you to underline two fish. Seems to be a pretty insignificant detail, but um, I didn't promise you that there wouldn't be any math in this session. What is five plus two? You guessed it, seven. Remember I told you you're going to get tired of seeing the number seven referred to in John's gospel. And by now, you all know that seven is the uh, in Jewish numerology the number of completion and perfection. So this is not an accident here. There are five barley loaves and two fish. So what's Jesus going to do with that? Uh, it says that he uh, men reclined. There were about five thousand men in number. So there was obviously more people, assuming that there are women there. And um, so. Jesus takes the loaves, gives thanks, and distributes them to reclining, and also as much of the fish as they wanted. When they had their fill, 
he said to his disciples, gather the fragments left over so that nothing will be wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 wicker baskets with fragments from, from that, you know, that were left over. So I want you in verse 13 to underline filled 12. Okay, so that's the leftovers, 12. So 12 is another one of those numbers in Jewish numerology. Uh, think of where we see 12 elsewhere. Well, in the New Testament, you got the 12 apostles, right? In the Old Testament, you had what? The 12 tribes of Israel. So, um, you know, a fullness there, a full complement. So what might uh, this symbolism additionally mean? So there's leftover stuff, and Jesus says in verse 12, uh, gather the fragments left over so that nothing will be wasted. So this meal represents God's grace, right? I mean, he has, give, he has given the people something. They didn't deserve it. You know, there was just grace, right? And as he says in uh, verse 12, don't waste it, right? So don't waste the grace that God has given you. God has given you a purpose in life that is unique to you. You may not know it in this world, but if you don't figure it out in this world by asking God about it, um, you will find it out in the next. So uh, don't waste the grace that has been given to you, just as the apostles were not to waste the leftovers there. By the way, this whole incident reminds us of uh, really two other things in the Old Testament that point ahead to it. If you look at uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 42, if you want to write that in your margins, we see that the prophet Elisha, not Elijah, Elisha, who followed Elijah, fed a hundred men with 20 loaves of bread, and there were leftovers. So here Jesus kind of one-ups Elisha, right? Because he feeds a lot more people and has a lot more leftover. Also, we are reminded that Moses, um, Jesus even makes reference in a little bit, I guess a spoiler alert, that, uh, hey, uh, when you were hungry in the desert, you got manna, which was a bread-like substance. But uh, who was the true giver of that manna? And spoiler alert, once again, it's not Moses. So he does this incredible miracle. And um, so uh, that's miracle number four. Uh, we talked more about that when we discussed the same occurrence in Matthew there, so I'm not going to duplicate all of that. Now we get to the fifth sign in John's gospel out of, you guessed it, seven, that Jesus is who he says he is, and that is the walking on the water. And uh, I already covered that again with Matthew, so I'm not going to go over that here. But in verse 20, I think it's worth uh, saying that Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. So I would underline in verse 20 where Jesus says, do not be afraid. So ask yourself, what are you afraid of today? Is it a health concern, a job concern, a problem with your 
children or, or other relatives, etc. Do not be afraid. Jesus will cross the water for you just as he walks on the water there. And so this, this fifth sign kind of reminds us uh, again of the Exodus event of crossing the Red Sea, if you will, back in the Old Testament. So we see, once again, we see a lot of things that go on in the Old Testament that have sort of uh, a, a New Testament further understanding or further development in, uh, you know, that, that Jesus fulfills, okay? So the Old Testament points towards events and towards, of course, the Messiah, who is more fully revealed in the New Testament. So, of course, he's just fed 5,000 people with uh, five barley loaves and uh, two fish, and so that gets people interested, right? It's like, hey, I want to see this uh, again. So a lot of people follow Jesus as he crosses over to the other side. Some who had been part of that and maybe some who had just heard about it. And, uh, you know, they're all excited about the bread that, they, that they're going to eat, the physical bread. So Jesus cautions them in verse 27, Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. So this kind of reminds us of what we just saw a couple of sessions ago about his encounter with the Samaritan woman. She's wanting water, okay? And he says, yeah, okay, you're going to drink your water from the well and you're going to get thirsty again, okay? But the water I'm going to give you, uh, the, the living water, if you will, uh, you'll never get thirsty. And he's talking about eternal life. And so he's saying that here, in essence, the same thing. Hey, you want bread? Okay, great. Tomorrow you're going to be hungry. But I'm here to offer you something eternal. So once again, think about the things that you're worried about in this world. Realize all of that stuff is going to pass away. The one thing that won't is your eternal condition, your eternal relationship with God. So this is amazing in verse 28. Now, he's just, he's just fed 5,000 men plus, you know, countless women and children. They cross over the other side. Some of them have seen, most of many of them have seen this and some have not. So they said to him, what can we do to accomplish the works, works of God? Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he sent. So circle the word believe and we've already had the discussion multiple times about what the word believe means. So we won't go into any great detail there, but belief entails action that shows the belief. In other words, would you rather have somebody tell you they love you, or would you rather have somebody show you they love you? And um, so that's what we're about as Catholics. Uh, verse 30, so they said to him, this is what's incredible, what sign can you do that we may see and believe in you? Come on, <laughs> if I'm Jesus, I'd say, what do you want? I, I just fed 5,000 men with, a, with a, you know, a little bit of bread and two fish, and you want another sign? You know, you people are, are never, you're never happy. Um, and uh, so they say, what can you do? And the people say, our ancestors ate manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave us bread from heaven to eat. 
So Jesus in verse 32 said, Amen, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Because, you know, Moses was the human representative, if you will, but, uh, you know, who said what God was going to do. But God provided the heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So again, they're still thinking he's speaking literally, just as the Samaritan woman thought he was Jesus was speaking literally about the water. Hey, I'm going to give you water that you know, never get thirsty. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. There's that I am. So in verse 35, I want you to circle I am. So he's saying, I'm God. Okay. Um, every time you see Jesus say, I am, it just makes the leaders of the Jewish people easier. Uh, I, I'm angrier, I should say, because um, he's equating himself with God. He's saying, I am God. Um, whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. But I told you that although you have seen me, you do not believe. Okay, this is going to come up more in the Eucharist. They see him, but they don't believe him. Okay, There are those, even within the Catholic Church, that see the Eucharist and they don't believe that it's really Christ, or they don't believe Christ is who uh, he claims to be. Um, okay, in the interest of time, skipping down here. Um, verse 40. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him, and we already talked about what belief entails, may have eternal life, and I shall raise him on the last day. Verse 41, the Jews murmured about him. Okay, a little controversy going on here. Because he said, I am, circle that again, the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Don't we know his mother and father? And how can he say, I have come down from heaven? Um, and so, you know, they're, they're skeptics. And nothing has changed in this world. There are still uh, skeptics as to um, who Jesus says that he is. Then in verse 48, Jesus continues on. He says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. And once again, he doubles down in verse 51. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven, and whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. Whoa! Now people are really getting weirded out by this statement. He's saying, I'm going to give you my flesh, you know, and you can eat my flesh. And so there may be some people who are saying, well, he's probably speaking metaphorically here. He's probably saying, I'm going to give you some thoughts to chew on, if you will. You know, chew on this for a while, you know, this idea, right? Maybe there's some people thinking like that. By the way, that is what uh, Protestants believe today, that, that, that what Jesus is giving here is merely me a, metaphor, a metaphor for, hey, I'm going to give you some words of wisdom to chew on or 
something like that. But to the Jews, this is very revolting because back in, in Leviticus, the Old Testament Leviticus, chapter 17, verse 10, uh, drinking blood is uh, would, would cause you to be removed from the community. I mean, you could be kicked out for drinking blood because it was considered a pagan uh, practice. And it was, uh, well, it's disgusting enough to drink blood, right? But uh, particularly for the Jews, because that was considered to be uh, pagan. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in within you. Whoa, so he repeats himself, right? He kind of doubles down. And you can just see the people in the crowd, they're kind of, they're either revolted by it or disgusted by, by that last statement. So to make it even clear, you know, the first time he's, if you had the Greek, you know, the first time he says, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, okay? But now in verse 54, he triples down on it. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. But this time, the word that's used for eats in verse 54, whoever eats my flesh, would be the equivalent of our word for gnaws. In other words, he's saying, I don't just want you to, you know, put, you know, take my words and put them in your mouth or something. I want you to gnaw on me. You know, he's, he's being very graphic. He's being unequivocal. Um, whoever gnaws on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. But in case they didn't get it the first three times, he says again in verse 55, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. And in case they didn't get it the fourth time in verse 56, who says, whoever gnaws, or your translation would say eats, but if you had the original Greek and compared it to the English, uh, whoever gnaws on my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. So I want you to, every time he says, eats my flesh and drinks my blood, I want you to underline those. And then I also want you to underline and circle the word remains in me. And we will come back uh, to that later on. Uh, not this, Not this session, but another session. So definitely circle the word remains in me in verse 56. Well, I would like to remain with you, but it looks like we're about out of time and we're going to pick up on this uh, the next session. So for now, let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, we can only imagine what this crowd was considering as they were pondering Jesus' words, I want you to gnaw on my flesh. My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Um, what would we have said had we heard this? Well, we will get a further understanding of why Jesus says this is important in the next session. So help us to ponder this gift that Christ gives us of his own flesh. Uh, how many of us would be willing to lay down our flesh 
for our fellow man, uh, literally give up our lives. Um, so help us to ponder the meaning of this uh, as, we, uh, as we look for the true food that you give from heaven, Christ, which we understand as being in the Eucharist. We'll further develop that next time. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So come back next time and we will get to the heart of this matter of the Eucharist next time. Till then, take care and thank you for joining us at uh, Catholic uh, CatholicDoctrineBibleStudy.com. Thank you.